Miss Reynolds, I've been trying to reach you. I gathered as much from the message on my phone, I said, going on a hunch. Drake looked down at the gold-toned pen in his hand, then set it down. Yes, I've called before. I'm told you knew my Allison. Passing acquaintance, really. I knew Rob Morris much better. I watched his face, but there wasn't any reaction there, save for a small frown. Patrick Drake gave a small nod. Yes, I think he worked for me for a while. He stopped showing up to work around the beginning of June. I guess he got a better job. He's dead, I stated bluntly. But you knew that already, I'm sure. The man's brows drew together. Are you accusing me of something, Miss Reynolds? If the boy's dead, I had nothing to do with it. How dare you come in here and say things like that? How dare you send someone to kill me? Drake looked as if I'd slapped him. I... Are you insane? I didn't send anyone to kill you. I've been trying to reach you because someone said you were inquiring about a piece I may have made. What are you talking about? I know about it, I said, even though his thoroughly confused and offended expression suddenly had me doubting my convictions. The immigrants, the diamonds, all of it. What immigrants? He came around the end of the back counter. Please, Miss Reynolds, I don't know what you're talking about. The necklace, Drake. The one you gave Allison? The one you've been calling me about? I know about the diamonds in it, and I think it's sick what you're doing. Okay, maybe I was being a little dramatic, but once I'd started talking, I suddenly found I couldn't stop. The way he was gaping at me didn't help matters, only propelled me into more babbling. You're... Do you have the necklace? No, the police have it. You'll have to get it from them. I started backing toward the door. This had definitely been the wrong way to go about things. He growled in frustration. Uh, then why did you come here, to make vague accusations? Get out, Miss Reynolds. I did, quite gladly. I felt incredibly stupid for boldly charging in like that. At least I thought I made it back out. It had started to drizzle again, the sky low and cloudy, night falling like a blanket. It took me a minute to pick my way across the parking to the car, as I'd had to park a bit away. The lot was still full of cars for those stores that were open later, like the grocers, and my car was on the further edges. My hands shook from embarrassment. I fumbled for my keys and managed to drop them as I pulled them from my pocket. I bent to pick them up. Something whizzed through the space where my head had just been, connecting with my car's window with a crash, tempered glass going everywhere. I screamed and ducked, sending the keys flying as I raised my arms over my head to ward off another blow. It was the blonde man from my visions, and he had a crowbar. I scuttled away, dropping my purse as he swung at me again. This one took out the rear driver's side window. He had a longer stride and was around the trunk of the car in moments. The sharper, curved end of the bar slammed into the rear quarter panel, leaving a wicked gouge in the metal. I, who had dressed as vampire slayers and other warrior women for Halloween, screamed like a sissy. 
I tried to get away but slipped on some wet leaves and fell against the black Toyota Camry I'd parked beside. The blonde man grabbed hold of my arm, jerked me back. We were starting to attract attention, probably because I sounded not unlike a banshee, and he was beating the crap out of my car, the iron connecting with the steel and making loud clanging noises. A woman shouted, I'm calling the police, and ran for the grocery store. It figured the one woman who didn't have a cell phone besides me. His hand fisted in my hair and he wrenched me around. I wailed, kicking at his shins. He slammed my head against the roof of the Camaro and I saw stars. He did it again, and I wasn't seeing anything after that.